0: Well, hello there. It's Corey here, bringing you another podcast. This is the fourth podcast that I've put out here on the new website and everything, and boy, am I having a good time. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you guys are, too. (laughs) There's been a lot going on this week. Uh, Wow, wow, yeah, I don't even know where to start. Um, First of all, uh, we've been raising awareness here on the podcast and over at uh, MidnightCory.com, especially via Twitter. You know, lately, I've been uh, becoming aware of how much awareness raising that there is going on around the world. It seems like every time I turn around, every time I watch TV, or every time I'm browsing around the internet, or I open a magazine or a newspaper or something, that there's a certain group of people, you know, lots of groups of people actually who are raising awareness about things. And uh, I'm really becoming aware of all this awareness raising. And so here on the podcast, I've decided that I want to make everybody aware of all the awareness raising going on so that everybody can keep growing in awareness. (laughs) So if you have something that you would like to raise our awareness of, if you are aware of some awareness raising going on in your area, then please make us aware of it. Please share the awareness. (laughs) and you can can post it to my blog or you can email me or leave it on the voicemail or something like that. But yes, yes. So I'm making you aware of all the awareness raising going on. So therefore, we can all be more aware. How nice. (laughs) How nice. And if you want to know where this is all coming from, you can uh, go to my Twitter page and uh, go back, you know, a few days or whatever and (laughs) I had a, I had a good uh, conversation with Misfit Boy and Spooky Bill and, and a bunch of people <laughs> about awareness raising. So yeah, yeah, that was really cool. But the, the, speaking of Twitter, um, oh boy, well, I'll, I'll get to that here in a little bit. <laughs> That's going to be good. But uh, first of all, there's some really, really cool things going on right now. And uh, I, I've announced a couple things this week that uh, are really, really exciting. First of all, Uh, New contest. Okay, last episode, talked to Eric S. Brown, and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna do some sort of a contest. And it's just something I came up with off the top of my head, and uh, I didn't really know what kind of a contest, but I knew I wanted to have this focus around Eric S. Brown. And as we were pulling all the details together, really great author, great guy, David Dunwoody, jumped on board with us to, uh, to participate in the contest, and this is really exciting. So now... I'm presenting to you the Eric S. Brown and David Dunwoody Zombie Flash Fiction Contest. This is great. Now, what you need to do is write a piece of flash fiction. Flash fiction is usually very, very short. Uh, The limit that I'm putting on this is 500 words. So basically, it's just a story in 500 words or less. And it can be, you know, pretty much a challenge if you've ever tried flash fiction. So, 500 words or less... Send them to Corey at MidnightCorey.com with zombie flash fiction contest in subject line. And you can enter multiple times, but I'm just going to ask you to limit to three. You know, I don't want anybody sending in like 50 of them, (laughs) which uh, I'm not sure would happen, but I might as well put that out there. Anyhow, this is really cool because Eric S. Brown and David Dunwoody are going to be personally judging the entries and the top three are going to win some great prizes Courtesy of those fine gentlemen. First place is going to win a copy of Bigfoot War by Eric S. Brown, his best work as of yet. Uh, First place will also get a signed first edition copy of Empire by David Dunwoody. Second place is going to get a signed copy of How the West Went to Hell by Eric S. Brown. And also a signed copy of Unbound and Other Tales by David Dunwoody. Third place We'll get a copy of Kinberra Down, which will be signed by Eric S. Brown, and it was also co-written by Jesse Marie Roberts. So, this is great. I'm also actually going to have the winning submissions, the three winning submissions read, right here on the podcast. So, how exciting. I've set the deadline for this contest on the 4th of July this year. July 4th, 2010. What better way to say happy birthday to the USA than by writing a 500-word zombie gore fest. So go at it. This is going to be fun. And I was talking to some people uh, on Twitter actually about this. And they're like, oh man, that's going to be too hard. I don't think I can do it. And my advice, just try it give it a shot. Just turn off your brain and write. Let the words flow. Uh, The biggest challenge is going to be limiting yourself in words because I found that once you get the writing process started, the tendency is to just let it flow, especially if you're just writing and writing and writing and not editing yourself right away, just letting the thoughts and the words freely flow onto the page. So yeah, yeah. If you don't think you can do it, then I think you should try. (laughs) I really do. You will never know unless you try so there you go i got to thank eric s brown and david dunwoody for volunteering to do this this is fantastic uh the prizes are definitely definitely going to be worth it and i'm really excited (laughs) i really am so that was the biggie and uh i really think that everybody listening should give this a shot so what else we got oh i also posted a link to uh, a new horror crime serial novel by Brian Wolford from uh, Drunken Zombie. Brian's a great guy. He's actually one of the uh, other authors featured in Dark, a horror anthology, which uh, is my very first publication, which is amazing to me. But uh, if you want to buy Dark, actually, I encourage you to do that. There's a link up on uh, MidnightCory.com on the right-hand side. You'll see it and uh, be able to read my story. And you know, people have had some great things to say about it, and I'm really appreciative of that. And uh, yeah, so go check it out at some point. Anyhow, anyhow, Brian posted his uh, brand new venture here, his first ever serial novel. He's going to be posting it to his blog at BrianWalford.net, And uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Brian is a very talented guy, very creative. And uh, it's called 48 Pieces, a horror crime serial novel. So go over and check it out. There's a link on my blog and I'll put another link in the show notes. Why not? I am so excited. I think I talked about this last week. Maybe not. I've been announcing it on Twitter, (laughs) and people are probably sick of hearing it. But I'm going to see fish this Saturday. They're at Blossom, which is an amphitheater near Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, this will actually only be the third time I've ever seen fish, which is uh, a really low number, uh, considering that I've been a huge fish fan for decades, really. Uh my the first time I ever heard Fish was I bought Hoist when it first came out. So that was what like 95 or something. So it's been the better part of 15 years. I was immediately a fan, especially after I started listening to their live stuff because that is really where Fish shines. But uh yeah. So this is only the third time uh, I saw them in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I saw them in Pittsburgh and uh yeah, now I'm seeing them in Cleveland. So it'll be a great venue. This is actually the same place that I saw Radiohead in last summer. And, um, yeah, of course, see, okay, last summer I saw Radiohead at Blossom in Cleveland. Awesome, awesome show. We had uh pit tickets, so we were at, literally right down in front of the band. I think Tom York, you know, spat on me, which, so that's how close it was. It was great. But, of course, you're underneath the big roof, under the pavilion, and it was a beautiful day. I think it was, like, in the middle of July or something like that. And it was really hot. And of course, we're under this roof. So if it would have rained, we would have been okay. But of course, since we were under the roof, it did not rain and it was really hot. So this time going to see fish at Blossom can't wait. But this time we got lawn seats, so uh, there's no roof over us. We're just kind of in the big lawn crowd. And I guarantee you it's going to rain this year. That's that's just like that's my luck on this kind of stuff. And I'm looking at the forecast for Cleveland for uh, Saturday, and it said there's a chance of scattered thunder showers, which I guarantee you are going to float right over Blossom. So, yeah. So, I'm going to have a wet and muddy time at fish potentially, but I don't care. I really don't care. It could be snowing. I could be, you know, stranded naked uh, in the middle of a blizzard. But if fish is playing there, that's okay. I'll deal with it. (laughs) <laughs> i'm super excited about that and maybe I'll, I'll i'll play you some stuff i don't know what i'm gonna do but it's gonna be a good time and if you're going to see fish in cleveland let me know maybe we'll hook up and you know share in the groove <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah yeah that's exciting so i'm sure i'll have more to say about that next week and finally now you'll all be happy to know that i finally watched the final episode of lost and there was a lot about this episode that blew my mind. Absolutely did. Uh, the first thing that blew my mind, believe it or not, is that uh, Charlie from Driveshaft has the same bass that I do. Now, I have a bunch of basses, but I have uh, an American P bass. Uh, a Fender American P-bass that uh, is quite an amazing bass. It's uh it's great to play, it has a great tone, a great feel, just it's one of those it's one of those guitars that just feels right when you play it. I, I don't know how else to explain it. But uh yeah, so it's an awesome bass and ch- lo and behold, <laughs> Charlie from Drive Shaft uses that bass. So if Charlie from Drive Shaft uses a Fender American P-bass, then you know it is a great great bass. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah, it really is. So that's the first thing that blew my mind about Lost. Now, overall, let me say this. I loved the finale. I loved it. I don't know why people were all you know moaning and groaning about it and crying tears about this thing. I loved it. I thought it was great. Now i I didn't agree with all the overall themes that it conveyed and stuff like that. It was kind of wonky on a couple things, but I think it was an absolutely brilliant end to a brilliant TV series. There has been no TV series, uh, sitcom or otherwise, or anything, you know, the miniseries or, or TV movie, anything that has held my interest in, in a long time, like, lost. So, yeah, yeah, I think that has a lot to say, and I know a lot of you out there have enjoyed it also. Um, although, in the end, you know, I'm not going to spoil it like a lot of people like to spoil things. Um, but in the end, I I had this feeling as the credits were rolling that I had just watched a six-year version of Jacob's Ladder. (laughs) So yeah, that's the impression I got, but I loved it. I'm glad I finally took the time to watch it. And, uh, yeah. Wow. My wife hated it, by the way. Yeah. So there you go. What can you do? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that's about, I also watched The Juror. Uh, the Juror, uh, it was only because it was on Netflix Instant Watch, and uh, my wife wanted to watch a movie this past weekend, so she picked it out. Whatever. And I said, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, Demi Moore, uh, one of the Baldwins. And, uh, yeah. So, anyhow, uh, that was kind of disappointing, really. Uh, it's it's a movie from the mid-'90s, I think. It has that whole mid-'90s feel to it. It really does. But, uh, oh, it was just so slow-paced. I mean, it was kind of cool... But, oh, so slow. I I fell asleep in the middle of it. And my wife did too, but she watched the rest the next day. And I really had no... uh, I didn't want to finish it. (laughs) So it just made me very sleepy. Uh, Anyhow, uh, so I'm not going to be talking about The Juror. Don't worry. Uh, I will be talking about three films, three movies this week. And this is exciting. I'm going to be talking about the yet-to-be-released slasher film, Bikini Girls on Ice, which is set to be released on DVD, In July, I think July 5th is the official release date for that one. I'm going to be talking about the 2004 documentary called Kill Your Idols. And this is about uh, the really, really interesting musical uh, movement. Uh, It was called No Wave. And it was this thing that kind of took place in the underground of New York City. And I'm talking about even, even more underground than punk. This is during the '70s and '80s, while the punk thing was happening. But there was this weird underbelly, like even even underground, more underground than punk. And uh, so that's what Kill Your Idols is about. I'll be telling you about that, and also be talking about the zombie movie from 2007 called Dead Moon Rising. Oh yeah, Uh, got a beer review, got a voicemail, uh, got some more original music to play you. Oh boy. And uh, yeah, yeah, a whole lot more going on. So anyhow, let's let's end this kind of whole big long drawn out stupid introductory segment here I got for you by telling you about the little confrontation that I had <laughs> this week on Twitter. Oh, somebody by the name of Eric Bgh uh, confronted me, and uh, I had no idea who this guy was. And for some reason, he's following me on Twitter. And he found it necessary to try and really put me in my place. So, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash midnightcory, or on Facebook, because when I post to Twitter, it's automatically also posted to my Facebook status or whatever it is, uh, you'll know that I post some really crazy things. (laughs) and I do it pretty much because I can, and because I think it's hilariously funny. Um, Not necessarily because I'm trying to make a statement or that I want a reaction from anybody or anything like that. Uh, Everything I post makes me laugh in some way. And if it makes you laugh too and you're following me, that's great. But it's just amazing. People that don't even know me or my personality are following me on Twitter for reasons that are beyond me. And they decide that they need to teach me a lesson whenever I say something horrendously offensive to them. So yeah, this has happened to me a few times, and I understand because not everyone gets my sense of humor, but this uh, this highly offended Twitter user uh, began calling me names this week, and it doesn't hurt my feelings or anything like that. I'm just like, you know, is that is that all you got? I mean, you're going to start just like slamming me with insults and whatever and not try to, I don't know, sound intelligent at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know immediately the kind of person I'm dealing with, and... um. You know, the kind of person that that just begins spouting insults, they don't really have much to say and they're just acting on a completely emotional level and uh, most of the time highly irrational. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like their brain shorts out. And so this Eric BGH said to me, It must be tough going through life as such a cynical asshole. And then he tweeted again on just how exhausting it must be for me. (laughs) And it's like, what am I supposed to say to that? What am I supposed to think? You know, am I supposed to think that this guy actually wants to talk about things rationally? (laughs) I don't think so. You know, he's coming across as just real arrogant and holier than thou. You know, you know he's better than the rest of us when his Twitter avatar is a pretty white bird amidst a sea of spilled oil. I mean, how sensitive, how sensitive. He must be better than you and me. (laughs) <laughs> so I had no idea who this guy was. I mean, I've, I've seen him on Twitter before and whatever, and I followed him because he followed me and whatever. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. More importantly, though, he doesn't know me, and so this is why he's reacting this way. Um, but I did find out a little bit about this guy. Uh, apparently, he does a horror podcast. You know, who doesn't? I don't know. I've never heard of it. I've never listened to it. I don't I don't really care. Um, and he runs this this horrible ad-choked website. <laughs> Surprise, surprise. We got here an oversensitive, self important horror person on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's not common. Um, apparently, he also says that he writes for, for a horror magazine, which, uh, you know, ooh, <laughs> wow. Does anybody still read horror magazines? I don't know. But uh, anyhow, he, he, he went on, he was just going on uh, at me. This past Monday, and he went on to call me a troll who baits people, <laughs> and that he got caught. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. It, it's clear that he's just he was he was in this real like fight or flight mindset because he was just letting it all fly. You know, he he was kind of in the fight mode and uh, letting it all fly at me because he was he was highly offended, highly offended. And um, you know, I didn't fight back at all. In fact, I told him things like you know, he makes me incredibly joyful. <laughs> so eventually he took his ball and went home, and I was just like, wow, that was that was kind of fun. And I think a lot of people kind of enjoyed seeing that. <laughs> it's actually been the highlight of my week. So, you know, whoever this Eric BGH guy is, you know, I, I just really, I sincerely hope that all the tears have dried up and uh, that you can vent your future frustrations better than you chose to do with me, you know? So hope nothing but the best for you, my friend. <laughs> so... Yeah, and here's the thing. I mean, I'm saying that we got people out there who just sing the praises of free speech, but they're also going to be the first ones who are going to berate and judge you if your brand of free speech doesn't line up with theirs and they don't agree with it or they find it offensive. <laughs> you know, they're really going to try to slam you. You know, I, I even, I made a comment. Uh, somebody else, I think, was, was a little offended with me this week. Not that I didn't care. I mean, that's great, <laughs> but... But, uh, I made a comment, like, uh, oh, what was it? I put it on Twitter, and it showed up on Facebook. And this is where, uh, some guy on Facebook, uh, commented with me. Um, I said something. It was about the Sandra Bullock kissing that other actress on the MTV thing, or whatever. I saw it on the news the one morning, and it just seems like anymore that, uh, Hollywood stars, if they want to make, if they want to make a real point, or they want to do something that's really out there, they kiss somebody of the same sex on TV. And, uh, I'm not judging that, that act or anything like that, but I'm saying it seems like everybody's doing it and everyone wants to, everyone wants to say, hey, I'm, I'm more badass than this next guy. Look at me. And Sandra Bullock just did it uh, on a clip that I saw in the news the other morning, and so I commented on that. I'm like, well, apparently doing that's the cool thing to do now. And this gay guy on Facebook, you know, got all offended with me. <laughs> just like, you know, people laugh every once in a while. Smile once in a while. Don't take yourselves so seriously. Honestly. Oh, man. But, you know, there are just people who are out there just roaming around looking for something to be offended by so that they can judge you and they can feel better about themselves. That's exactly what it is. And when I post to Twitter, I post to Facebook. I'm posting exactly the first thing that comes off the top of my head, first thing that pops into my mind, and I try not to edit myself. And, uh, yeah, so deal with it. Deal with it. I don't know, but that's... Oh, that was the entertainment this week. I encourage you to go back through kind of the backlog and Twitter and to actually witness this all unfolding. It it was great.
1: Time is running out for the people of the Asylum of the Insane. Asylum of the Insane, where madness is the norm. Filmed in horoscope, see thrilling scenes in 3D. Three-dimensional terror jumps off the screen and into your lap. Obtain your free 3D blood shield glasses upon entering the theater. Rated GP, but not recommended for impressionable children. Asylum of
0: the Insane, produced in Hollywood by Maniac. Well, believe it or not, this week I had a Joneson to try out some new beer. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. So I go, go on down to the Wegmans and start looking at the six-packs and everything. So I'm there checking out all the beers, and uh, one of them caught my eye because of this really psychedelic label, and because it, it advertised itself as a dry-hopped ale. So I pulled a bottle out of the thing, and I'm, I'm kind of looking at it and reading about it, and... and uh, this guy who was stocking the shelves at the time comes up to me and he sees that I'm looking at this beer and he asked me if I've ever tried it before. And I said, no, I'm just, you know, I'm looking to try something new. And he highly recommended it. Uh, he said that uh, he's tried it. He really likes it. And that there's this really heavy guy <laughs> who, who works at the store um, who says that the beer tastes like pot. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> so i'm like yeah i'll I'll give it a shot so i uh i bought it and took it home and well i ended up with hazed and infused dry hopped ale by boulder beer company so uh, my friend brian in colorado uh, should be excited about this one you've you've probably tried that one i'd imagine but uh, if not you definitely should you should go to boulderbeer.com you can read more about it And um, what the label says is take a trip through the Looking Glass to discover a whole new world of ales from the brewers at Boulder Beer Company, introducing Hazed and Infused, the first release in the Looking Glass series of specialty beers. The unfiltered dry hopped ale is hazed in its natural state and infused with crystal and centennial hops, creating a flavorful aromatic brew you have to taste to believe. So I looked in the dry hopping. I wasn't actually familiar with what that was. And apparently dry hopping the beer adds more flavor to the beer without adding all the bitterness that can be associated with uh, really hopping up a beer. Um, So consequently, this beer is a fantastic balance of the hops and the sweetness. I mean, this is another really, really good specialty beer. I thought it was a great choice. Um, There's just a lot of flavor, but again, you're not overpowered by the hops. You don't have that bitterness, that sharpness there that uh, eh, can really be unpleasant in a lot of very, very hopped beers. So yeah, I was really, really happy with this. I would uh, recommend that you check it out. Like I said, boulderbeer.com. It's good stuff. Now, I guess the big question on everyone's mind right now is... Does the beer taste like pot? <laughs> and uh, I have to, I have to say, I, I, I don't think it did. Um, it would have to be a really strange strain, I think. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, another thing that the guy who was stocking the shelves at the at the store told me was that apparently hops and cannabis are kind of related somehow, and uh, that's that's why maybe this kind of had that taste. So. I'm not sure, I couldn't confirm that. So if any of you out there know if that's a fact, that's actually a, a very interesting thing to me. So yeah, let me know. But anyhow, that's my beer review for this week.
2: I know I came in this way, but it's pitch black. Hold up, I think I see something. I'm at that gas station right now. I can't seem to find anybody here. But what I'm gonna do is just head back on the road and try to find my way out of this place.
0: here we go thanks to my friends at kaleidoscope for sending me this one bikini girls on ice gonna be released on dvd july 5th of this year so it is yet to be released and i'm gonna tell you what's in store for it now i'm gonna read the synopsis that uh, they sent along with the dvd because it's actually much better than how i would be able to summarize the movie so they're just much better at doing this than i am so anyhow here we go These girls are so hot, a maniac killer must put them on ice. Stranded on their way to a bikini car wash fundraiser, a group of hot college girls find refuge in an abandoned gas station on the outskirts of town. Soon their broken-down bus is the least of their worries, as a maniac Axeman mechanic starts picking them off one by one. Scared, alone, and miles from help, The girls are faced with a psycho killer who wants to put these hot girls on ice. Instead of struggling to raise small change, the honeys are now in the biggest fight of their lives. A brilliant mix of Friday the 13th and Urban Legend, Bikini Girls on Ice is a classic slash action that horror fans everywhere will die for. So... There you go. That was from the press release from Kaleidoscope, and I thank them again for sending this over. Now, this is one of those movies that gives you exactly what you are expecting. (laughs) The title pretty much spells it out. Although, when I first saw the title, I actually thought it was going to be an ice skating movie. You know, maybe some kind of softcore porn or something like that. But it's not not anything like that. It's uh, not shy at all about what it is. It's a movie that features bikini girls, stalked by a crazed killer who slays them and puts them into an ice chest. And there you go. That's the movie. (laughs) And the one thing I have to say, I think perhaps the thing that I admired most about this film, is that uh, I really admired the uh, lack of sympathy toward any of the characters. You know, they die. (laughs) Yes. Yes, they die. Um, however, a lot of the violence is implied. Very little is actually shown. But what you do see is really, really good. Uh, they have decent makeup. They have uh, decent blood. There's a lot of blood. But again, a lot of the things are off screen. And I do have to say that uh, there was great casting for the main killer role. He, he looks the part perfectly. Although uh, a complaint I have about that is he's kind of a very generic character killer. We really don't have any hint as to why he's killing. Uh, What happens? The bikini girls are on their way to a fundraiser uh, to do a car wash for some college thing. And uh, the car breaks down in front of this abandoned gas station. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So they just decide, hey, we'll hold it here. So they hook everything up. They have the car wash at this abandoned gas station. And there's this uh, crazed mechanic that kills everybody that comes to this gas station and that's really about it and that's the problem i had is that you know despite uh, the good production values overall and and everything i really didn't care about many of the characters or really understand the motivation behind the killer uh it seemed a little flat in that area but i mean the pacing was good uh you had the whole uh, you know kind of college age horror thing going on here but you know what overall it's just good old slasher fun with bikini girls and what's so bad about that <laughs> So yeah, there we go, Bikini Girls on Ice, gonna be released July 5th. Thanks again to Kaleidoscope for sending this one over.
3: People started to create with music because they had no other choice.
1: Now the band of danger.
3: Yeah, there's no like, glam or glitz or illusion
0: about it. Oh, wow. The, the good old Netflix Instant queue is uh, quite loaded up. And I was going back through it this week and looking at things that I'd put in there that I forgot, you know, I just never watched. And uh, one of them was Kill Your Idols from 2004. Uh, this is a documentary. I'm so glad I watched this. This is so good. It's a documentary about the No Wave musical movement that was in New York City in the 70s and 80s. Um, this was a film, Kill Your Idols, directed by Scott Crary, his very first film. So this is really, really impressive because it really captures uh, the energy and the grittiness of this movement uh, features music and interviews with uh, pioneer bands in this movement like sonic youth teenage jesus suicide and then uh, newer bands that have been following in this vein like the Yeah, yeah Yeahs, and a whole lot more um th- this is a beautiful thing now uh, like i said in the intro to this podcast in the episode when i was telling you about this i, I told you that this was a movement It was even more underground and and dirtier and weirder than punk, because punk was a pretty extreme thing at that point in time. But like they say in Kill Your Idols, I forget who said it, but uh, he's like, yeah, you know, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, you know, they were punk and they were breaking a lot of rules, but they were still playing, you know, the Johnny B. Good chords pretty much all the time, you know. It's still a, a certain formulaic music. And they wanted to get away from structure. They wanted to get away from uh, traditional melody and song format, everything like that. And it's a crazy, crazy movement. It's noisy, it's atonal, it's visceral. Um, you know and it's bands, you know you see the bands like the Misfits and, and again, you know Black Flag and just how crazy they were back then and, and those bands wouldn't even touch the no wave stuff that these bands like Sonic Youth and everyone was doing I mean this is this is crazy stuff and what's funny is that the music itself really wasn't about being musicians. Uh, rarely did they really know how to play their instruments correctly. Uh, it was all about energy and I love it I love it and this this kind of set the root. For what would grow into the grunge movement, quote, grunge movement that we saw in the 90s. You know, this is the same exact thing. You know, Kurt Cobain talked about Sonic Youth all the time. And uh, it inspired a lot of other bands. These bands were doing uh, New Wave sound and New Wave kind of things before New Wave bands were doing them in the 80s. I mean, that's, that's just... Uh, how influential this movement is. And it's really, really cool that not a whole lot of people know about it and can appreciate it. So this was a great gem that I found. Uh, all the bands on here just seem fantastic. Lots of interviews. And here's probably the biggest thing I took from this because this so kind of summarizes uh, my attitude toward a lot of things, especially podcasting and things I do on the internet. But uh, there's this one part in this documentary where one of the guys from one of the newer bands, I can't remember who this guy was either, Is talking about how they'd get up in front of an audience and they'd just make noise and they'd be screaming and there'd be all kinds of feedback and and just insanity. And if they would find something that they did that would bother the audience, they would just do it more. (laughs) Just because it bothered the audience. I love it. I love it. And a lot of times, that's my... uh, MO uh, here on the podcast and on Twitter and things like that. If you find something that bothers people, you keep doing it <laughs> more and more. Oh, so anyhow, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kill Your Idols, Netflix Instant Watch. So if you have Netflix, you can watch this for free. So yeah, go watch it. It's great. Uh, on a scale, I guess, of, of one to 10, I give this a 10.
4: Son, civilization is on right now.
2: No, it was back backup, but this batch is gone. I mean, they're just off the air.
0: review that i'll be doing is a about a movie that has also been sitting in my netflix instant watch queue for some amount of time i don't know but uh so i figured well I, i better watch this one it's a zombie movie too which is another reason i decided to watch it because uh i need to talk about zombie stuff on the podcast here i think and uh so yeah yeah um Oh, I'm glad I finally got it out of the way, I guess. Uh, it's another one of these low-budget shot-on-video movies called Dead Moon Rising from 2007. Um, it's all about these guys who are working in a car rental place when, uh, you know, they're dealing with the first signs of the zombie outbreak. It's, uh, oh, I don't know. I, I just thought that they were ripping so much off of Shaun of the Dead because the characters are, are so distracted by everything going on in their own lives that they barely realize that the outbreak is happening until it's too late and it's right on top of them. Um, it's, it's this really sort of self-examining romance story with the zombie thing kind of happening in the background, you know. And so I, I've seen this thing before and it just, it really, I think, tainted how I watched this movie because that's the first thing I thought of. Plus, the opening montage is this whole series of news reports that all kinds of zombie movies have been doing. So that just the, the whole thing kind of rang of rip-off to me right off the bat. Uh, the, the whole film on a technical level, it just screamed shot on video for me just because of the quality of the picture and the camera work. Uh, the audio kind of sucked. The acting wasn't that great, uh, except for the one guy, I think, who worked in the in the car rental place, and he was always upset <laughs> and upset. Uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, I, I thought he did a great job, but, you know, otherwise, eh, whatever. Um, but I, I did admire and I was able to respect the sense of humor that they were trying to have here. Uh, although sometimes it was just dumb, you know. It was beyond over the top, just to the land of dumb. <laughs> you know, how that happens very easily. And like the one scene where this guy pulls a zombie off of one of the other guys by giving it a wedgie. And the zombie gets this look on its face. I mean, it's, it's just, I'm just like, that was so stupid. And the zombies themselves are really nothing special. They're people with some face paint and blood. And a lot of the time, the face paint is like this bright yellow. And I, I, I didn't get that. Um, but they're fast, and they're growling, and they're dramatic and everything. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't impressed there. A lot of the violence was implied, of course. Uh, there just wasn't much in the way of effects, really. Although, uh, there were a couple scenes of, I guess, decent effects. The one was, at one point, a girl bites the tongue out of a guy's mouth, and that looked really cool. And um, towards the end, there's a suicide scene that uh, looks pretty okay. Um, but I do have to say, a lot of the things were blown because of the horrible gunshots. You know, the sound effects didn't always line up with the movements of the actors, which were pretty terrible to begin with. (laughs) And something, I mean, it tried to have something to say. It tried to add its own commentary. But uh, when these guys did it, it, it was even preachier than George Romero's Diary of the Dead. I mean, this was bad. Um, basically the thing I think they hit on most was like Republicans and Christians and things like that, especially Christians. It it makes fun of them, which is the cool thing to do nowadays. If you call yourself a a Christian at all, you know, you're going to be getting made fun of automatically because that's just what all the cool kids do and just another bandwagon to jump on. Um, but anyhow, it, it goes out of its way in this movie to slam them, which is just typical, you know, whatever. So it's really, really just trying to say something and trying to be, I don't know, <laughs> trying to be controversial. But yeah, yeah. What what else you got? I mean, I'm not interested. Um, there's also there's a scene uh, kind of towards the end, I think, in the second half of the movie. That's like this borderline pornographic lesbian scene. And it just like it really took me by surprise because the, the whole rest of the movie uh, has nothing like this. So this scene, I think, was out of place. I'm not judging the content of the scene. I'm just saying, that didn't belong at all. Where was that from? That was kind of stupid. But anyhow, there is this enormous zombie attack scene at the end. I mean, crowds and crowds of zombies. It looks like there were hundreds of them there. And so the ending is is pretty dramatic. And I, I love how they shot it and, and everything. I, yeah, I just wish they would have done the rest of the movie that way. Because it really... Uh, It was so uneven and I just, eh, I don't know. I don't know. So all in all, it was creative enough on some levels that it did keep me interested. But like I said, it's like they took the movies, Shaun of the Dead, 28 Days Later and Clerks and put them all together and they made this. Uh, unfortunately, this is nowhere near as good as any one of those movies. So, yeah, yeah. I gotta give Dead Moon Rising a 5 out of 10. If you're really bored, you really gotta find something to watch, and you got Netflix, then yeah, yeah. But otherwise, eh, skip over it.
4: woke up on an ordinary day, another day it seemed just the same, it didn't seem any different, this I know, I grabbed my coffee, got ready to go, but as the sun began to rise, I couldn't believe my eyes in my sleepy neighborhood, I saw the start of something that couldn't be good, cause that was the day. The zombies rose from their graves The walking dead Back to visit us again And I knew that Romero was right I'd be lucky to survive the night yourself a steady hand It's hard to take careful aim When your neighbor is hungry for your brains as you run down the street, all your neighbors see is normal lunch meat Cause that is the day To survive the night So grab a gun
0: This week, you know, being that uh, I reviewed the movie Dead Moon Rising, that made me think of uh, the song title of this song that I'm covering this week. It's another cover this week, so maybe I'll do an original next week, but another cover here. And I guarantee you that you've all heard this song before, and you all know it fairly well. And uh, anymore, whenever I hear this original song, I think of the movie The Big Lebowski. And most of you will know what I'm talking about. So here we go. I'm going to play for you. My rendition of Bad Moon Rising by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Sorry, John Fogerty.
3: I see I see trouble on the way. I see. Earthquakes and lightning. I see bad times today.
5: Story. Sookie Bill here. Just uh, listen, to episode three. Uh, great interview with Eric S. Brown. He's a great guy. Um, only books, I, only book I've read of his is, of course, *Season of Rod*. That was for that book club, and um, they, his stories were hit and miss. Hit and miss with me. Um, yeah, and it's been a while, so I don't even remember which I liked the best. I did like *Rats*. That was a great story. Only thing that killed it for me was the uh, was the fact that there were other animal animals. Um, but i would give that uh, shoot. I forgot the name of the story. Now the the kind of sequel to it, uh, uh, give it a chance. Um, and definitely can't wait. I want to read that that Bigfoot story. Uh, yeah, it sounds cool. Ah, shoot I don't exactly remember what you mentioned now. Uh, you mentioned, oh oh, about uh, some forums or people talking about how they loved why why analyzing why they loved survival of the dead, and you know honestly, why do we really have to defend whether or not we like a movie? I mean, you like a movie, so what you know, okay, that's cool, good for you, but we get all the that people don't like a movie that we like or or like a movie that we don't like. And uh, I don't know, it's just stupid. I mean, you know, not. I don't really care for certain vegetables. You know, somebody who loves Brussels sprouts going to get on my case because I don't. You know, it's just stupid. Anyway, um, really what I wanted to get at, well, I didn't really want to get at I just wanted to throw this out there. What are you thinking about five years or so everybody's going to be loving Survival of the Dead, saying what a great movie it was. And, uh, you know, saying, oh, how, how underrated it was, how everybody really hated it, but they were so cool for liking it. Uh, I don't know, Do you see that happening? I, I That really annoys me. I see a lot of people that don't like movies or, or do like movies just because it's, it's the cool thing to do. Um, you know, it, it makes you more hardcore, I guess, more of a Uh, aficionado, if you like this movie that everybody else likes, you know, I, I don't know, I'm just kind of rambling on about that, it just really annoys me, you know, stick with your guns, if you don't like a movie, don't like it, if you change your mind, who fucking cares, you know, you're allowed to change your mind, and uh, I don't know, I don't even know what the point of me talking about this is, but it's just kind of annoying, you know, but uh, I, I do kind of think that maybe in a few years, everybody's going to be saying how much they they loved uh, Survival of the Dead from the beginning, and pulling out all these psych, psychoanalyzing the, the story, and, and everything. I don't like it. That's my opinion. I don't care if you like it. Good for you. Um, well, I know you don't like it, but I'm just saying, you know, you, in general, not you, you. Anyway, <laughs> this is a Spooky Bill. I just, uh, called to Say Hey, and, uh, if Badhammer is listening, man, get in touch with me. I want to talk to you.
0: Bye, Bill. You bring up some great points, and I think you're dead on on everything. Because I think we're always going to have a segment of people out there who are just going to defend their preferences and their tastes to the death, and they're going to make darn sure that you understand that and that you that you get it. And if you don't line up for it, then you're you're not as good as them, (laughs) you know, we see that all the time, I don't know, I think we're just always going to have that segment of people, and oftentimes these are the same people that are doing exactly the same other thing that you talked about, which is liking movies just for the sake of being different, you know, really making an effort to be different, that kind of thing, it annoys me too, and I think it's really ridiculous, and uh, I see a ton of that all over the place, People, people really try hard I don't know. Yeah, annoys me. But hey, dude, thanks for calling in once again. Spooky Bill. Uh, Fantastic. If you'd like to leave me a voicemail message, boy, that would be neat. 814-806-2828.
1: Here's my one retarded story. I might as well tell you right now. (laughs) It's true. There you go. I was smoking in a bar, okay? Just smoking. This was years ago. I don't even know how long ago, but it was when you could smoke in a bar, all right? So back then I was smoking. Not breaking the law. Smoking. He kid comes up to me, he's retarded, all right? I think he's retarded. <laughs> I know he is. He's wearing medals for sports that don't exist. He's wearing a ski boot and a flipper, okay? <laughs> this guy's either retarded or he's ready for everything. <laughs> Jaeger. Now, I'm smoking with my unretarded mind. The kind that can download porn as you talk to your mother on the phone. Yes. <laughs> Semi-genius. I'm smoking, this is what he does to me. He, he, he I'm like, are you shooting webs of stupid at me? Watch out. Webs of stupid, watch out! He got me, can't ride a bike, now. Get this, it gets worse. His wife, I don't have a wife, he does. His wife goes, can you put out that cigarette? He doesn't like secondhand smoke, it's a killer. I'm like, really? He's retarded. That can't be his biggest fear. Oh, I know it sounds mean, but really? That's gotta be pretty low on the fears of the (laughs) retardos. Number one, fork electrical outlet, okay? (laughs) That kills thousands. That's their Omaha beach, if you ask me. (laughs) Then you got buttons that look like candy, all right? (laughs) Who hasn't been fooled? (laughs) Secondhand smoke. Everybody's health conscious.
0: Oh, it's finally the end. You can finally turn this off now. But uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate all the support. I-, I appreciate all of you who have kind of stuck with me in uh, kind of the perceived rants that I- I'm having on Twitter and things like that. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's just my uh, sense of humor, I guess. Everything I do, I just think is hilariously funny. And uh, hey, what can you do? But I appreciate everybody. I actually only lost a couple followers out of that whole thing, which is really amazing. This is more for me, I guess, turning into kind of a study of uh, kind of behavior and, and, and things like that. And yeah, yeah. So what can you do? <laughs> but anyhow, thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Uh My website is midnightcory.com. Uh, you can email me at cory at midnightcory.com. Cory, 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 Cory. Uh, but Corey is a cool name, you know. I come from a long line of Corys. <laughs> not really. I'm the first in my family. However, my mom tells me—I don't know why I'm saying this—but my mom tells me that uh, I was named after uh, a black uh, kid on TV whose name was Corey. It was on a sitcom. Uh, I'm not really sure what it is. I have to ask her. I forget which one. But uh, yeah, so that's where it comes from. So. Yeah, uh, what am I talking about? I'm trying to end this show, and I just keep saying, uh, yeah, uh, uh, uh. Oh, I'm stupid like that. My voicemail is uh, 814-806-2828. You can hear me on Library of the Living Dead and Library of Horror, two fantastic podcasts, as well as James Melzer's Unleashed, where I do Twisting the Blade. Ah, oh, boy. Boy, 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 yeah. So, anyhow, the contest. This is the biggest thing. I'm really excited about this. Um, It uh, is the Eric S. Brown and David Dunwoody zombie flash fiction contest. Send me your flash fiction piece. Write me a little zombie story and make it, make it good. Make it intense. 500 words or less. Email them to cory at midnightcory.com. Put the zombie flash fiction contest into the subject line so I know what this is right away because I tend to become confused very easily. (laughs) Get a lot of email. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So anyhow, send those on in. I thank you for listening to the show. Thank you to Eric S. Brown, David Dunwoody, and uh, to everybody, everybody, uh, all the producers that are here, uh, the writers and uh, everything for uh, the podcast here. Just outstanding. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart.
3: zero there you're a big-